Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downing, and I'm a psychologist, and this podcast is Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. I invite guests who have some kind of story about what it was like at some point in their life not having had a voice, whether they connect the dots and it has something to do with an earlier life, let's say childhood experience, or whether there was some kind of trauma or some kind of event that helped, not helped, but actually robbed them of their voice and helped them uh, feel like they were uh, not so uh, confident to be more of who they can be. And what's exciting about this this podcast for me is, for me, it's a discovery too. I don't know who shows up. I don't know their life story. So we get to have a conversation about that. And I'm real curious. So today I get to introduce Melissa Riley. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Doreen. Nice to see you today. Yes. And I, like I said, it's always fascinating to me to uncover what your story is about not having had a voice and how you found it and what that means mm-hmm. to you. But you sent me a little bit of a bio and I'd like to read that. And uh, so people would get a clearer sense of what's up for the listeners today. Great. Yeah. Well, you're a clinical psychologist like yeah. me. Yes. Uh, or like I am. Melissa Riley is a clinical psychologist, parent coach, and a mom without a mom. Although grief has been a part of Melissa's life from the age of four, she was shocked to find that a resurgence of grief would be part of her birth experience. Melissa and her mother had been estranged prior to her mother's death, which complicated things further. She missed her mother and was angry with her simultaneously. She longed to have a healthy mother figure in her life as she learned how to be a mom herself. Well, it sounds like a lot of fascination here to, wow, what happened? But let me go on here. Through your or through her personal and professional life, Melissa has come to recognize that moms without a mom experience grief during the years postpartum and beyond, even if they don't realize it. She is passionate about helping moms without a mom heal through grief, build community, feel joy in motherhood, and move from feelings of isolation, insecurity, and overwhelm to a place of confidence and resilience. This is so well written, too. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, it sounds pretty good when you read it like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it sounds very applicable to anybody out there, not just uh, moms without a mom, but I really have not yet spoken to anybody with a particular kind of uh, niche, you might call it, that you've come across. And as most people, it it does have something to do with your own life experience, mm-hmm. right? Very much so. 
So the way we launch here is to have you begin to look back, look back at your own early life and begin to just give us a a sense of you know where you grew up, how you grew up, what that what your childhood experience was like. Sure. So I grew up. I was born into a family of um, you know both um, mom and dad. I had an older sister and a younger sister, and we were in upstate New York, a very rural area. And when I was just a couple of years old, my older sister was diagnosed with leukemia. And unfortunately, back in the 70s, that was uh, almost always terminal. It continues to be a very significant uh, disease. But thankfully, now there are some additional treatments available. Um, But so my early life uh, contained um, the experience of my sister's illness um, and then eventual death when I was four and she was seven and the subsequent grieving process that both my parents went through. And so during those early years, we uh, would be taken care of by other people in the community that could take us in because my parents needed to be in New York City uh, to be with my sister as she was going through treatment. So I became an extremely shy child Um, so painfully shy. There were times when I literally couldn't speak, right? So I I truly didn't have a voice because I was just too terrified. Um, And part of what I did to uh, be okay was I became really good at sensing what those around me needed and their moods. Um, and so it's no surprise that I became a psychologist, right? Um, oh, Melissa, you're telling my story too, you right? know, about becoming very hyper aware and alert and using other faculties that we have inside of ourselves besides just the speaking. We got into deep listening. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, I had those early experiences. And then, um, you know, entered early adulthood and um, was in a graduate program. So I, so I went um, academically right through college and then right into a, a doctoral program. And so it was really kind of discovering who I was as an independent individual. And unfortunately, my mother was struggling with her own uh, health concerns and mental health concerns. And we started to really um, clash. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't yet old enough to truly appreciate where she was in her own life and her own struggles. I just um, was was really being, um, well, not, both of us were struggling with the relationship. And so it caused um, a falling out. And uh, this was about eight months uh, prior to her death. And unfortunately, we we didn't have an opportunity to reconcile that estrangement before her death, um, which was really difficult. I was 25 at this point, and she was 51. So she died suddenly from a heart attack. And um, obviously, it was very devastating for our family. And then unfortunately, just seven short months after that, my younger sister, who was only 18 months younger than I, also passed away. And that oh, was Melissa. 
My goodness, yes. what a what a story already! A journey of loss, uh, extreme yes. loss, and I I want to come back to that theme mm-hmm. in just a second. But you said a few things about early childhood, and I I mm-hmm. I'm real curious and want to ask because it has yes. to do with voice because I feel like that's where a lot of us have those foundational experiences of, I have a voice, I can speak up. And you said uh, you were very, very shy. And you you also said you were terrified. And I was just wondering if you could uh, dive a little back again and say, well, what were you terrified of? Uh, you know, I, I um, making life more difficult in some ways for, for those around uh, me. I mean, my sister was dying, so life was very difficult. And um, intuitively, there was an awareness that those around me couldn't handle anything else. Mm-hmm. And so um, the other thing that I think contributed to it, and obviously I didn't know any of this then, this is many years of reflection, right? Um, was Was the fact that there would be times when I would wake up and I wouldn't necessarily know where I was, you know, because something happened in the middle of the night and we would just be dropped off at whoever could take us. And so being in different environments sometimes was really scary uh, as a little kid, Uh, you know, different customs, different rules, uh, different parenting styles. Again, it was a, it was a pretty rural area. um, And back in the seventies. So parenting was, was a little different than it is now. Um, and, and so there was just things that were scary. That makes total sense. The context of which you were thrust into and partly how we um, express ourselves is partly comes from uh, the people that surround us and we kind of mimic them and <laughs> we get the welcoming, but not knowing this, this total lack of um, signals from the external environments and especially being thrust in them all times of the day. That makes total sense. And also what you said about the, um, oh, holding yourself back because your voice is just something that's going to add to the burden of your parents and you didn't want to be disruptive is what it feels like. Exactly. Absolutely. They were you know, dealing with, you know, <laughs> I think what most people describe as probably the most terrifying and difficult thing to experience. And that's the the death of your own child. So, yeah, you know, there was always that, that scepter there, right. Yeah. That, that sense of the unthinkable just about to happen. Mm. Uh, do you think you were aware of the unthinkable just about to happen also? Um, you know, at the age of four, I didn't have a clear understanding of what death meant, right? But I certainly understood what it meant for things to um, not feel so good, right? For the sadness, for, for just this, this always, what's the next thing that's going to happen, right? And, you know, my sister, my older sister, Kim, being in and out of the house wasn't unusual, right? So one day she'd be there, one day she'd be gone and we wouldn't know when she would come back. And then all of a sudden she'd be back and we'd all have to wear masks and, um, you know, just different things. And it was this, always this, this fear, right. If we start to sneeze or cough, right. Then that could be dangerous because she was immunocompromised. So there was just always this sense of, 
you know, urgency and things not okay. Mm-hmm. That took a long time to go away. And, and again, not having the awareness of what it all meant. I mean, again, I can look back and recognize, but I was, I was little, I was, you know, preschooler. Well, you definitely, I I so appreciate you going back to those moments and fanning them out uh, the way that you have in such detail. Thank you. Thank you. And what you've mentioned a couple of times is it's not something you were aware of then that, that, that kind of connecting the dots and having explanations like you just have just done. In fact, you know, it's like you bringing empathy to the little one who was left in that situation. And now you have such a depth of understanding of what you, she, mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your little one uh, had to go through. What a, what a challenge. And then of course the accommodation to become super good at sensing and listening and adjusting yourself uh, so that uh, others can, um, you know, feel comfortable. And, and I get that it wasn't just about you pleasing others. It was about you I, I I feel like, you know, part of our life story is about what we're here to be doing anyway. And you were learning way back then how to be um, a healer, a guide to others who have to face pain. Right. So thank you. All right. So You're graduate welcome. school, launch forward again. And uh, your your older or your younger sister, what kind of what kind of uh, what was she facing? Um, well, she. Unfortunately, my poor little sister really struggled with with mental illness. So she had bipolar one and just really struggled with life in general. She had some substance abuse issues, but, you know, thankfully, and I'm very proud of her. She was clean and sober for the last couple of years of her life. Um, So she worked really hard um, to to get there. But she just, again, the, the bipolar was, was really significant. And, um, she developed, um, uh, pulmonary embolisms and there were different times where, um, we became aware that there was something going on. Um, but unfortunately she had gone for testing at some point, you know, for a sleep study and showed up and told them that she had overdosed on, on, you know, pills as a suicide attempt. So, so she was hospitalized and they never got back to, to studying that. And then, um, after my mother passed, she was in and out of, um, psychiatric units for several months of those seven months, you know, not straight, but in and out. And she was living in a supportive, um, housing community, uh, where she was working. I mean, she was doing the best that she could. She just, you know, could not cope with that loss. And so she was actually in the, the, the hospital and the psychiatrist was walking by um, and she was sleeping and he heard her disrupted uh, breathing pattern as she slept. And so that, you know, sounded alarm bells for him and started doing the testing. And so she was being monitored 24 seven and unfortunately had a pulmonary embolism. And they know it was a pulmonary embolism because of how it showed up in all of the recordings. And um, she just, she died instantly. And you know, the, the sad thing about it is likely she had been having those pulmonary embolisms for quite some time and they mimicked 
the experience of, of rage episodes, right, or, or panic responses as the, the blood clots would hit her lung. Um, and so because of her psychiatric history, which was significant and that was real, um, uh, the medical condition well, wasn't identified as, as clearly as, as it could have been. Um, and nobody's fault it was a complicated situation. It's just, it's sad, you know, it's, it's just really sad. And so, you know, she passed at 25, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And so you're a few years older. You're by now, what, 28? I was 20, yeah. 27. Uh-huh. Yeah. And another loss. And your mother had um, just died seven months earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I began life in a, a family of four girls and um, or three girls yeah. and um, then became the only girl. Right. We call your mom a girl, too. Right. Right. <laughs> Females. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, let's see, before I ask you to just move forward and what happened next, uh, because obviously it has something to do with your mom and the death mm-hmm. and how you cope. Uh, where was your dad all of this time? Then? Uh, my my dad, you know, struggled through all of it and um, he had remarried. Um, God bless him. And then his second wife passed after 15 years. So it was um, but now he again is married um, a third time. And uh, so he's doing the best that he can. Mm-hmm. And, and we continue to have a close relationship. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. All right. So it, obviously you went on in your own life. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit. You became a clinical psychologist. And yeah. you're the, the, what do we call ourselves? The wounded healers. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, my focus was was profession. Um, I didn't start my family until much later in life. And I had, you know, grieved and dealt with all of um, those losses. And it was about 12 years between the time, you know, you know those losses that occurred, my mom and my sister, and the time I um, became pregnant. Um, and unfortunately, I had some difficulty. I had three miscarriages prior um, to my fourth pregnancy, which was um, successful. And it was during that time, and they were all, you know, in rapid succession. Um, it was during that time, uh, particularly my pregnancy with my my son, my fourth pregnancy, that I really started grieving very um, significantly um, because I really wanted my mom to talk to about all this. You know, there was, there was just a sense of, you know, support that I wanted. And I was very fortunate. I have, you know, my aunt, who was only 10 years older than I, and she's much more like a sister to me, um, was very supportive during this time. Um, but I really would have liked to have talked to my mom about that. And then once I delivered my son, I was just a couple of days shy of 38 and that was a, a troubled pregnancy. So I was on bed rest. It was just very frightening um, because uh, um, I went into labor at 26 weeks. And so, um, you know, I had a very small chance of carrying him to term, which I did, you know, you know thankfully. Um, but again, the, I really had so many questions that I didn't have anybody to really go to um, to ask for support. And as um, my son, you know, was born and he was a newborn and in the early years, 
Doreen, I felt like there was something wrong with me. You know, and this is where, again, I, I felt like I didn't have that voice was things seem to be so much more difficult for me than they seem to be for everybody else. And here I was, you know, 38 years old, you know, I owned my clinical practice. I mean, I had taught human development at the graduate level, for goodness sakes, I had the knowledge, right? And I knew who I was as a woman. So I thought I had all my stuff together. And I was brought to my knees when my son was born. And I didn't have the awareness that things are different if you're a mom without a mom. And I kept it silent and I felt shame and I felt terrible about who I was. I, I thought like I was, I was a, a bad mom. And the reality is that isn't true. That is not true. And that, that's why I'm so thankful for being on your show because I know there are other moms out there that feel that same way, that sense of why is this so difficult for me? I mean, motherhood's difficult for everybody. You know, I'm not going to pretend like it isn't, but there are differences. And if you don't recognize that, you just feel shameful. And when we feel shame, we don't talk about it. We don't speak up. We again lose that voice and are silenced and then suffer alone. Oh, yes. Oh, well, the, the, what you just described, I think, is not just for not having people around you to support you, um, but specifically what you're talking about is the particular kind of energy of a mom. And it sounds like your message is reaching uh, women who feel that same kind of lack of connection to their their mother. And yes, uh, as they are becoming a mother themselves, um, I can imagine, you know, what this kind of transformation of going from a professional woman into uh, being a mother. And it's a whole different requirement of uh, energy. And I heard you, I heard the the deep need for uh, somebody to be there and to have a mom energy as opposed to, let's say, your husband or, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And, and I think that is important to point out, no matter how supportive your, your life partner is, they still aren't your mom, which <laughs> just is different. You know? So how did and, you come to realize this had to do with your own well, um, experience? In the work that I do, I, you know, I have a clinical practice and, you know, I've been working, you know, with moms in a, in a general practice and I just started to notice you know, the the more I worked with moms that didn't have a mother, either because they were separated by death, you know, estrangement, or even just physical distance, living in a different part of the world, that there were these commonalities, you know, this 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 longing or this sense of grief for um, something they didn't have in their life that they had wished they had, and that being a, a loving, supportive mother in their day-to-day life. But also this lack of having that go-to person, right? That is just in our corner. And so there was an extra weight and burden that they felt, a draining of energy. And then also the, the third piece was not having that, that mother as a mirror for them in creating their identity. You know, who are we as a mom you know, when we don't have our, our mom mirroring back to us? And so I, I start to see these common uh, features 
Um, and so I started kind of recognizing, you know, in myself, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know exactly. Right. And, and so I started putting things together. And so and I started, you know, doing a little bit of research and, and kind of trying to find more information and realized there, there isn't a lot of information out there um, regarding um, moms without a mom. And, and so, you know, I realized that, well, this is an area I'm very passionate about. And the, the more I talk about it and think about it, the more I realized this was something I needed to pursue and, and I needed to um, really be that voice for those that, that haven't found theirs yet in this area. What a, uh, both an honor and a privilege for you to be able to take on that mantle and to be the spokeswoman for Moms Without Moms. How do people find you? Where is your business now? Do you Can you tell us a little bit about, well, now that we know you and we know what you specialize in? Sure. Well, I started my coaching program and it's called Moms Without a Mom. And my website is easy to find. It's momswithoutamom.com. And I would love, you know, for your listeners to reach out. Um, I offer a 30-minute call, no sales pitch, just me providing support. Um, so you know, please um if anyone's listening, just give a call and I'll help you create your community and feel good about where you are. Uh, but I'm also on Instagram, uh, Moms Without a Mom, and uh, Facebook. So all the general places. Uh, but probably the easiest place would be just my website, momswithoutamom.com. And um, you'll find I have some free guides um, for moms on there. Um, the one right now that I really like is the Enjoy Being a Mom Again quick guide. So it helps moms. Um, with a with a small little strategy to bring their attention back to their present when they find themselves distracted by those difficult thoughts. Mm, again, like I said in the beginning, it's your tips could be used by any of us, not just yes. uh, those who have children. And one of the things I want to reflect back to you, Melissa, is that people who aren't listening, you have such a, a beautiful glow. And I think that people who are listening probably could hear it. You've got a wonderful kindness and a gentle spirit that feels like you know how to really hold space for people who um, need help that you can offer. Uh, thank you, Doreen. That means a lot to me coming from you. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for sharing your voice today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.